welcome to a new series we are calling Conversations With. My name is Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. And my name is Julie Kraft and I am also living with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Julie and I believe in the power of storytelling. We know that sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. There are so many different experiences. So we wanted to share more stories of Bipolar with you and interview others. Our stories are powerful. They can become a source of strength and hope and inspiration. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. everyone welcome back to this is bipolar our conversations with series and i'm so pumped because i have jared deal here and i was on jared's podcast a while ago it's called louder now go check it out um and we just had a really great time and i'm super pumped because jared you're the first dude on our <laughs> oh podcast. really wow yeah. um cool that's a whole conversation in and of itself probably yes Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm like on my podcast, I've had mostly women. So I'm like, yes, right? What's uh, going on? But let's talk about that. I I I love that. Yeah, Could you yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Jared? Oh man. Well, first of all, it's so awesome to be with you. I had such a great time when we did uh you were on the Louder Now podcast um back in like a few months ago. So First of all, just thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Jared. I am almost 36 in a couple of months, not like November 13th, which is crazy, 36. Um, I live in Southern California, Los Angeles County. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get into my bipolar stuff, but yeah, I've been like diagnosed since about 2007. So uh, almost half my life really. And um I love hockey. I don't play as much as I used to, um, but I grew up in Minnesota and Colorado, like ice skating. So nice. anything skating, um, hockey, it was very privileged to play as a kid because it was, you know, expensive and yeah. got to travel, got to see all over Colorado. And, um, and I really just like to play even more than watching, but, um, and I love movies and shows and like mm -hmm. all things creative uh, I also do a lot of poetry and that's actually something that's kind of come out of a lot of my struggles is like I've always been kind of a writer but then when I started having panic attacks and episodes I kind yeah. of just started writing poetry as a way of I you know I don't know I, I, I'm sure other people can relate to that where you yeah. use it as kind of a tool to process the chaos you know and you're like oh why am I writing poems this is weird <laughs> I love that I have yeah so those few things about me yeah yeah so that's awesome that's awesome wow yeah you need to send me some do you post them on yeah Instagram? I do yeah I just I have a, a wordpress like blog and oh my um, goodness sure I'll send it to you yeah I can yeah. you can put the link in the notes or two yeah or just I like deal.com and um, you know, it's probably about 80% of it is probably about girls. And then, you know, 20% is about it, everything else. <laughs> yeah, as it is, right? Old relations, relate. you're like, oh, wow, I'm still writing about that person. Yeah, so, we so. feel things deeply. But yeah, I've always been a very intuitive and um, mm -hmm. I guess more right-brained and more of like, yeah. I loved acting. And I think that's why I, I love shows and movies. It's like, oh, I feel I'm very sensitive actually is what it is yeah. and sometimes you want to turn that off because yeah. you're like oh I don't like that that's I need to be tough you know well, and I'm like well, that's yeah. part of the problem is that if you just deny your you know so tenderness and compassion and empathy I think um come naturally to me honestly maybe that's like a weird thing to say <laughs> that is such a weird thing I love that yeah yeah, yeah. It's fighting the toxic masculinity, right? Or the stigma that yeah. we need to be stronger or we wouldn't be sensitive. But I think, I don't know, I think we point to the hard things in the world. And I think it's, I try and think of it as my superpower because we're aware, right? We're aware of things that people are stuffing down, but that can also be hard and exhausting too, right? Yeah, right? of course. Of and course. I love that. I love that you know that about yourself. And I think that that's, I think that that's awesome. 
Maybe that's why I like you so much. Oh man, I like you too. You're great. Uh (laughs) Awesome. Well, I would love to just start. I know like tidbits of your story, but I would just start, you know, from the beginning when you, when maybe you realized something was wrong or maybe you didn't and others did around you. What, when did that kind of happen and tell me about it? Yeah, for sure. Great question. Well, I think for everybody, I mean, things go back to childhood, right? It goes back to like, wow, what was it like as a kid? What were you like as a kid? Um, I have one older sister. Um, My parents were, my dad was not a good relationship with him. He was Mm -hmm. really not a great dad, honestly. Um, And he was kind of undiagnosed bipolar, but he never got any help. He, He yelled. He used alcohol. He was a good dad and like, you know, we played hockey together and he was there for me for that. But I think you just kind of remember the negative stuff more. So I'm like, oh, you yelled a lot too, right? You were verbally abusive. And um, and then my mom was like the opposite. She was like the perfect loving mom. Um, not, not perfect, but just was like, she kind of held everything together. And she was a flight attendant as a job. She just retired recently, but pretty much our whole lives she traveled. So um, you have kids, right? Having little kids and doing that is not a good combination, you know? Yeah. So we kind of um, like the sensitive, creative me, I think I did have a lot of symptoms of definitely lots of anxiety, um, definitely lots of like being kind of in my head a lot. And I think a lot of it, when I look back at it was, some of it was, was, like a gift, right? Like, a, um, I love to be on stage. I loved attention from people. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it was maybe coming from a place of pain too, where I felt right. kind of rejected at home. Yeah. And then I, I kind of gravitated towards like, oh, people like me. And I, I did horrible in school, like grades wise. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got through school, Aww. but I just socially, I was awesome. So I used my, like, everybody loves me. You know, I was like student council and my sister, it was the same way. We both had similar personalities, similar struggles. I played hockey. Um, religion was a huge part of my life. We went to church all the time. Um, so I definitely had moments where like, you could have said, man, are you depressed? Or like, you know, when I really got down, I really, really felt it deep but I never had any like I got kicked out of class for being you know maybe it was like ADHD was part of what I had too um but I didn't have an episode until I was like 20 almost 22 I was in college so to kind of answer the question of like when so yeah signs as a kid but then yeah I had a panic attack one night and I had been on this is crazy but I like <laughs> try not to use the word crazy too much but oh, like so hard, I, right? I did I went to like a, a ministry place in Kansas City where there was like this 24-hour kind of worship uh environment thing it was really awesome in a lot of ways it was also strange too yeah. and I decided to like stay up all night so they had like a night watch is what they called it yeah. so I would go to sleep at you know 7 a.m and then get up at like three and then you know in the fall it gets dark at like 4 30 so I would like barely see the sun and I did that for three years like without stopping yeah so from 18 and um it so I went to like they had a school and so at first it started out as like an internship and it was like why are you choosing to stay up all night and so I think my parents were concerned about that but they kind of were like well, you know, it's like your decision if you want to do that. You know, I don't think anybody was thinking, oh, maybe you're going to have an episode. No no one thought that. And so, um, and there was a little bit of a warning from kind of the the people at this place, like, hey, just so you know, um, you're probably going to feel kind of these 10 things all the time. You're going to feel tired a lot. And this is not normal. So I was really just this, like, spiritually, it was great. The community was great. But yeah, I definitely crashed and burned and hit a wall. And I definitely think it like spun me into an episode. Um, So yeah, I had a panic attack one night, which I'm sure some people are familiar with that. If you're not, it's, it was really like mind racing panic. And then I couldn't sleep. So, you know, I didn't sleep for like a day, but, but then it was like, wow, my mind just went to this real like negative place 
pretty quick. And then, you know, I'm calling home. So I stayed in Kansas City for like seven days and I didn't sleep at all. And I was like freaking out and, you know, probably had some suicidal thoughts too. Cause it's just like, you're not, you, you know, after like three days, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're like hallucinating kind of thing. So mm-hmm. my mom put me on a flight. I went home to California. Um, yeah. I saw a doctor, the whole, the word bipolar was really never suggested at all. Right. Um, my sister, who's like three years older, had similar things in college, but she didn't go through what I went through. She had more of kind of a like a ADD, like yeah, yeah. Or whatever. It's hard because they overlap sometimes, right? For sure. And I definitely think I've had a lot of symptoms of that. So I anyway. Long story short, I get on medicine, and then um, I eventually sleep. I mean, I felt like I slept after about a month. So it was like a month of chaos like yeah and I'm just you know I'm in like beautiful Orange County like by the beach going to the ocean every day and I'm like feeling horrible <laughs> about life so you're like isn't everybody in Orange County happy you know no just kidding. probably not um but <laughs> That's uh, no no you would think you're like well you're in like paradise right but you're feeling horrible so um so anyway, I kind of just snapped out of it after about six months and um nobody was really accepting the bipolar thing like I thought it was really just some kind of spiritual attack right like some spiritual battle which is a very um Christian thing to do or or if you're religious you 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 definitely try to be like is this the devil and you know Mm -hmm. let's pray and and obviously you know God's involved and I'm sure there was spiritual forces involved but it was also like something was not good in my body so I snapped out of it and I went right back to my life almost as if it never happened really really weird yeah I woke up one day and it just felt well I was I was in California I was drinking a lot because I was trying to sleep right and I was like working at a grocery store and I was like I'm supposed to be finishing school um all I'm doing is feeling bad about myself. So this was the one time where I snapped out of it by, by like a thought that I had. It's the only time this ever happened. Like, yeah. you know, and people are like, Oh, just, you know, like think, think a positive thought. Like, and you're like, right. I never right, thought like, that. like, just let go. Right. Yeah. Like, why are you obsessing? Just let go. And you're like, Oh, is it, is it really as easy as like, you know, putting your foot down and being like, no, I'm, I'm moving on. So yeah. I do think that can happen. So this was a moment where yeah. I just, it was a thought thing. It wasn't anything else. And I, and, you know, I'm, God was probably involved too. I literally just, I was sitting in my room and I go, I was like, F this. This is yeah. like, all I'm doing is feeling bad for myself. Yeah. Like what's so bad about my life? Like, cool. I had six months where I didn't sleep and, you know, I miss school. I feel like I'm letting people down. And I, so mm-hmm. I literally just was like, I better start being grateful. Or so it was just this thing. And I, I went to the, <laughs> the grocery store. I cashed the last check that I, they got. I was supposed to go to work. I didn't even go to work. I went in to get paid and I was like, see you guys. <laughs> I called a cab. This is 2007. So, or eight. So it was like, you know, before uber i called a cab i went to the airport i bought a plane ticket in cash which probably looks suspicious right and i literally just flew back to kansas city and then like you know texted my parents and said hey i'm see you later i'm not coming back (laughs) yeah and i just said that was kind of a a hypomanic manic moment to make such a yeah for sure but it was it was I did snap out of it so I did just go right to like I had already kind of been off medicine I think I was taking Ambien and that was it it was prescribed from like a family physician and so I snapped out of it but then yeah a year later the same exact thing happened at in the fall fall October November around my birthday you know and um so then it happened again and so the second time around I was a little bit more like Oh, okay. I think I got lucky last time and I just kind of was able to snap out of it. But now this seems to be like a problem, right? And so I was, I was actually a, a lot less freaked out. I was like, oh, I'm not sleeping, but I was actually less worried. Yeah. You're like, this is familiar. Yeah. Happen, I know for me, yeah. it's very cyclical. Did it happen like almost overnight? Mine happens where it's like just one day and then 
the next knot and mine is a fall to like fall. Yeah, kind of. Well, it was a mixture of, so I had been on that night schedule. And so I got off okay. that schedule. I was still yeah. probably staying up late. I started playing hockey again. I got a cool yeah. job editing videos for the, this youth camp. So I was doing all these things, but then there are, there were other triggers. My, my friend got married and I moved out of his house. And that was kind of a hard thing. Cause it was like, we were bros for like almost four years. And then I'm like, oh, I'm happy that you're married, but I'm not, you know, I got to move out of your, <laughs> your house. So, so there was other relational things mm -hmm. of just like uh, that, I think triggered it, but it was also seemed to be like that time of the year too, where yeah. it's like, oh, the, the light changes. Mm -hmm. So those are triggers too, the fall and the spring, right? Like too yeah. much light or like too little light. So, um, so yeah, it was similar circumstances where it was like, oh, I think my body's just, getting stressed or something and I'm not I wasn't really taking good care of myself you know as far as like physically so so it happened the second time around and then I went back to California and end up staying saw a different doctor and that then he was like oh yeah man this is just like a you're, you're like a cycle of it's bipolar but you're just you know you're you're psych he said something like you're cycling which I didn't know what that meant like mm -hmm. whatever but I got on a lot of medication um all different stuff than the previous time right so and then so this time around kind of long story short i ended up being okay for like three years but this doctor um kind of put me on like a lot of medication so i didn't realize i was like i think i'm on too much stuff right and the hard part is like when you look back you go oh i wish i would have you know like asked more questions right like my mom was really supportive she drove me to all these appointments I didn't have a car too so and she took notes and she wrote things down and oh, she's like oh and my parents were going through a divorce too at this time too oh, so crazy. that was kind of yeah I was living with my mom to kind of help her anyway and I was working at Trader Joe's no Trader Joe's is the spot so um it was cool I mean I was able to function that was the thing I was like I was on a lot of meds but I was able to hold a job I, I made yeah. you know um and so anyway, I went back to Kansas City to just, cause like I missed it. I wasn't like fully ready to be in California. And that was a little rough because, you know, uh, I didn't really get like a new doctor. I kept, so anyway, what happened was I, after about three years of all of this, these meds, I felt like I was gonna have an episode again, but I was on medication. Mm. So that's, that was really strange. It was like, wait, isn't the episode from not being on meds or, or whatever I mean, it's complicated so um so the mistake was I, I I I got mad at the the California doctor who was just you know every visit he would not really lower anything he just kept it all right. the same so I just pretty much fired fired him <laughs> I was like I don't want you to be my doctor anymore which yeah. is what you should never do right never take things into your own hands and I ended up really kind of just listening to like my friends who were around me who were like, yeah, nobody said get off all your meds. People just said, maybe you should get off like, you know, one or two of these. You're on like four different things. Maybe that would help. So initially that's what I did. And I did notice a difference right away where I was like, you know, kind of like lighter and like more mm -hmm. present with people, like funnier um and did then you taper I, it on your own because I did yeah I did yeah. and I was taking one specific medication where um you know they're like you have to be careful how you get off of this I even actually looked into going to like a facility like to wow. like a detox facility or wow. something but I was like oh I don't that sounds expensive or so I think my my mom was concerned for sure she was like um maybe you should see a doctor there so yeah. I, what happened is I, um, I ended up pretty much just getting off of almost everything except for like a small amount of um, one medicine that also kind of helped me with sleep. And that was where like, that was, you know, not good that I did that. So after about a year- Yes, we don't recommend it to the- Right, to the never. Right. And I tell this story a lot when I do presentations and, you know, I'm like, never do that. Like, don't it's going to end up really bad for you. And so that's it's so tempting, right? Especially like even I've never done it, but I, I even still have thoughts because I miss parts of mania. I just thought, well, you know, maybe if I lower it, I could feel a little bit of the, like, 
I know a lot of people that don't um, have a mood disorder that just are like, why would you ever go off your meds? And you're like, well, it, you know, you like parts of it. It isn't always terrible. Right. Yeah. Well, it goes both ways. One is obviously for me, it was always feeling bad. So I was yes. like, oh, I'm about to have an episode, but I'm on meds. So it would logically make sense to like lower some of those. Yeah. Um, and, and I was right at the beginning. It did help. Um, but then I took it too far and I'm just like, oh, well, what if I just, you know, don't don't get off like all of it. And it's like your body has literally been on this, these meds for years. Yeah. So for you to mess with that, is like you're gonna so that's what happened so i had a third episode um same around october november but this and is, this was a depressive episode well same thing i mind racing couldn't okay. sleep so kind of mixed. yeah same thing like same exact like that's how it always would happen for me it's like well once i start losing sleep and then the mind races then it's like total chaos right and so but this the third time around was way worse than those previous two um and i think partly because i did see a doctor a couple months before the, the episode happened and she was like hey you should get back on um on this medicine mm -hmm. and i said uh I said no nah, i think i'm fine and she warned me she was totally right she said she said you're probably gonna have an episode again if yeah. you don't do what i say yeah. <laughs> and, and i was like, like oh and how did that, so when you have an episode, describe to me, because in yeah. case someone's listening that doesn't sure. understand it all, like what happens in your body, what happens in things you start doing in your life that you might not, you know, averagely do when you're stable? Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, good question. Yeah. Well, an episode would just be defined, what I, my way of saying it would be kind of like if you're, a, you know, an alcoholic, it's like a, a relapse where you're getting just drunk and your drunkenness is just getting so out of control mm. that like you can't function like you can't mm -hmm. work or you're just everybody's like where 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 have you been and so um with the mental it's hard because people don't see everything they don't see that your mind's racing they don't see that you have suicidal thoughts <laughs> but for me it was always um it's like losing sleep and then um entering into kind of this uh feeling of like I'm not in control of myself so okay. like whatever my mind wants to do I gotta yeah. fight really hard to like yeah. not give so in you're like impulsive and it feels like uh, tell me if I'm wrong it feels like I almost feel like a not a machine but I feel like it's going to be worse if I don't do the thing right like yeah yeah trying to feel better so you just do the next thing that feels yeah it's just better. it's really hard to control yourself yeah. and that's really scary like when you're in that state you're like it, it really I, is yeah. a lot of suffering because you're like you know and then the suicidal thoughts the third time around was I don't I don't it was like a thousand times stronger than it was yeah. in those other times so I was like no, I really want to die. And I got to that place really, really quick. Wow. Um, Did you so tell I, anyone that you were feeling that way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was living with people. I was living with roommates. Um, my nep oldest nephew had just been born. Um, my mom flew out to Kansas City to, to be with me. And uh, I actually went to the hospital for the first time. So I went to a psych hospital there. Um, for about seven days and I Did remember your mom the, take you or were you yeah yeah my mom took me yeah and yeah. um every, all my house my roommates came to see me and yeah. um initially I wanted to leave after the first um like hour of being <laughs> it was like a Friday so they're like oh well you got to see the doctor and he might not be until Monday that's like how lots of hospitals are where if you come yeah. in on the weekend, you got to wait. And people are like, when can I get out of here? You know, yeah. and obviously I voluntarily checked myself in. So yeah. um, it, I remember just being there for and hearing people's stories and like people were talking about like their like, you know, addictions and like crazy stuff they were doing. People are smoking. And I was like, I was just like, this is not for me. I shouldn't be in here, you know, but it ended up actually being okay. I did end up sleeping I got a little bit stabilized um and, and this would have been about two weeks of not sleep but then um anyway I ended up being an eight-month episode so the beginning of it was wow, November yeah. 2012 
and I went to the hospital twice in Kansas City. Then I moved back to California like for good. And it was just me and my mom. And yeah, this was the hardest, worst time of life like that I had ever experienced. Um, I was only 27. So it was like, but yeah, the reason why it was so hard, I think, was because of the getting off the meds. It was just not going to be an easy thing if if it had been different. And because it was like when I look back at those previous times, I think, you know, when it happened the second time around I got put on a bunch of stuff and you know I stabled out pretty fast it was like oh that was a rough two weeks but this was like every single day felt like Mm -hmm. such hopelessness and I know people are listening and they hear that and it's like they don't want to get more discouraged (laughs) than than that but um it was hard because like as much as I loved my mom um, you know, there's only so much she could do, you know, right. like for yeah. me, and it just, it really wore her out. So I did have a couple of suicide attempts in this time. And that had been something I had never done before either, where I actually was like, I went and I tried to, so I was in and out of the hospital and then, um, just, I mean, long story short, it was, yeah, about May. So about at the eight month mark, um, yeah, my mom had gone back to work. She's a flight attendant. She took a lot of time off for me. She was a little bit worried about leaving me alone. Um, But yeah, I tried to overdose myself. I knew she was coming home. So it was like, it wasn't, if I would have done it two days before, then I probably would have been dead. But I tried to overdose and I knew my mom was coming home like um you know at like 10 o'clock that night and I I did this at you know six you wanted it to end but not subconsciously you knew that it would wouldn't be forever yeah and I and you know it's I don't always share this but there was a I do believe in God right I do believe that like God's in control here right like even though I felt out of control there was obviously spiritual forces working against against me. My body was in this chemical storm, right? That's how lots of people describe it. It's like a storm and it's like, look, eventually, you know, the, the storm is gonna stop. Like it's gonna stop raining and the boat, you know, like when you watch like the perfect storm or something, right? Like yeah. eventually it's gonna stop, right? Even though you feel like you're gonna die. And I just was just tired of like, I was like, I'm never getting out of this. Like, this is just, you know, but I felt this strong sensation even that while I was trying to overdose and I, I was cutting my, my wrist and it was just, it was, it was really, really bad. Um, I knew that I was going to live like something in me was like, this isn't going to work, yeah. but I pushed it pretty close to, to the edge. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and so, yeah, I ended up in a coma. I mean, the worst part of the story was really that my mom had to come home and, you know, just thought I was dead, basically. I, that's the worst part of the story is like, she had to go through all of that. You know, she's the only person that saw me like that, you know, so I ended up in a coma and yeah, lots of people were praying. A lot of my friends from Kansas City actually flew out to see me. They knew me through kind of the ministry I'd been a part of in Kansas City. And so um, they had like this internship and pretty people prayed for me for like four straight hours. So from like 8 a.m. to noon on, I think this was the third day. Uh, And I came out of the coma like that afternoon. So like I found that out later. They're like, oh, we prayed for you from eight to 12. And then it was like that afternoon, they're like, oh, he's waking up out of the coma, you know? So um, I ended up later moving to Pomona and like being a part of that church and meeting all those people. But yeah, it was, I mean, I was grateful to be alive. Um, You know, I saw my, my, my nephew was like six months years old at the time. And I saw my friends and then they're like, oh, your friends from Kansas City are here. My buddy Zach flew from New York to LA because he was he was a pastor in New York at the time and um but yeah it's interesting because like I still was not doing great when I woke up like I was kind of grateful to be alive but I was also still just messed up you know because it's it's our brains right I just want to back up for a second because um something kind of struck me and I I know your heart And um, just, I know you said that you believe that God's in control, but I just, one of the thoughts that I've had before, and I just want to make sure that our listeners, if they're thinking that at all, that they know that it's, 
Um, I don't think that God gave us the il illness. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not like, I want you to suffer. Right. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I'm yeah. very careful with that only because it was something I thought because of the stigma and thinking that it was so wrong. I was like, I've done something wrong and this is my punishment. So I just wanted to be clear that yeah. when you say that, you that is not, um, we don't want anyone to feel like this, you know, things things happen. And and I believe too in in God and in plans, but I, I don't think that always the terrible things that happen are uh, uh, something he's like, put against you know like put on yeah for sure well yeah i'll comment on that too because yeah. um i don't want to gloss over that like god is in control i mean i think being a christian and being raised in church <clears throat> and and whatever the six years i had of struggling up until this yeah. point um there was a lot of just like wow it feels like my faith is actually really working against me kind of like the yeah. fact that i'm trying to be like where is God in this? And isn't God good? And, you know, doesn't Jesus heal, you know, every disease? And if this is, this is a disease of the mind, like, why am I going through all of this? Right. And so I do think a lot of people, if you're listening and you're a faith person, it almost can feel like it's, it's, it's like working against you that you're trying to kind of be like, where is God in all of this? So when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, well, God was there the whole time, but, but obviously I went through a, a so much like pain and suffering and i'm like well, why why was all of that and yeah i think i did blame myself for most of it i was like well i it was my choice to eat off medication so like this is my fault you know and that was not a good thought to have um even if it was somewhat true <laughs> it was like hey take responsibility for your life like even if some of this is not uh, uh, on you but um later i had to work that out right like yeah. oh okay I, that was a mistake that i chose to yeah. <laughs> um and so that's just yeah. trying to 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 feel better right and if i find that yeah some of the things that i do that i you know have regrets about or sometimes i get like intrusive obsessive thoughts like why would you do that or or that kind of thing i have right. to remind myself that you know we're all just just trying to feel better right yeah. and and same with i you know i've read about how um much more susceptible we are to addiction or things like that it's because you 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 want the pain to stop or you want to like uh, even the side effect not to have the side effects like you're trying to feel better so i hope our listeners and our other bipolar warriors know like please don't get stuck in that, in, in the guilt or shame of it. Cause you know, yes, you need to make better choices, but sometimes that just seems impossible. And so, yeah, yeah that's even more important to reach out and, and to get help. And, but if you sit in that, um, you know, it's all my fault, it's going to be really hard to, to get on a healing journey. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for pausing and talking about that. Um, and I had to like work that stuff out as I yeah. started getting, but yeah, anyway, long story short, I spent five months in the hospital after that. So I coma, woke up, survived. And then um, I got some really good help with some good doctors. I started sleeping again. And um, yeah, after about a month of kind of trying some different medications, uh, I started feeling like I was myself. So I actually had a pretty enjoyable four month hospital stay wow. I think one time you were sharing about um how you went to the hospital and you were like you were like I brought stuff to do and I was yeah. you know, doodling well, it was, it was I was like I read so many books because I, my, my mind was just yeah. clear and I, I remember reading like East of Eden which is this like Steinbeck novel it's like yeah. 600 pages I was like I've never read a novel this big in my life and I just devoured it and you know I became best friends with the nurses and lots of funny stories lots of seeing me, me you know you just get humbled by the people you meet and you're like yeah oh wow my life is really good yeah. <laughs> you know, like and and too it's like you know if you're there or if you're someone that's uh you know just doing horribly um yeah just sometimes I think it's easy to to be like 
uh, you know, uh, I find that I try and not identify with, um, you know, I used to not use the word bipolar because I had this image as well, right, of what the hospital was. Mine was a short stay treatment center to come off a of medicine. So it wasn't the hospital hospital and you could leave whenever you wanted, but I, I wanted right. to stay because I didn't want to come off my meds and because I had, my girls were little and I didn't want, in case I acted erratic or in case I got really sick, I didn't want them to see that. But I think like, I don't know about you, but I found myself in every person there I could find something do you know what I mean like something um there and it was so easy for me to be like you know this is crazy I'm kind of not or whatever I think I don't know I think that it's given me such a compassion for all you know a, a whole different set if I, of people that I, I I wouldn't have really maybe seen them before and seen their their struggle and I like that you're you talk a little bit about um, you know the good parts of it because I think there's some people listening right now that might need to go to the hospital right that yeah. that and I love that you shared that there were good parts and that you did get better and it sounds like tell me if I'm wrong that it, that it really it really did save and help you. Yeah, and the other thing too is um, I went to two different facilities. So the first hospital was two months and um, it wasn't yeah. completely normal that I did that because yeah. um, I just ended up in this place. It was actually right by Disneyland in Anaheim. So I saw the Disneyland oh, wow. fire fireworks every night at 9.30. They let us go outside and-, <laughs> and, and, and yeah that must have been bizarre right these two funny. you could hear them if you were in your room you could hear it like wow. that's how close we were yeah actually there's a funny story so I um made friends with this guy he was like a military guy and so he gets discharged and um I guess right next to the the um not all psych places have an outside area where like right at this time smoking was still allowed so we would do like smoke breaks a day so I would sell my cigarettes to people because I didn't smoke yep. so I'd sell my cigarettes for like quarters to like make phone calls <laughs> like Fair Shawshank, enough. Shawshank Redemption style right no um but I there was this guy he gets discharged and I guess right next to the outside area is like a McDonald's and like a subway and stuff so he gets discharged he goes through the drive-thru and orders like I don't know six or seven like cheeseburgers yeah throws it over the fence like perfect throw and he like yells my name and we happen to be outside so he's like hey Jared this bag of McDonald's just perfectly like makes it over the fence and like lands on the ground like right by us so the guy this guy Jason who was uh became like my favorite nurse there and he was super cool he was like well if it made it over the fence he's like I guess you can eat it so like we're all just chowing down on not that the hospital food was so bad it was decent but you know you're like that ah. kind of thing is like oh, oh that's cool world. right right you're craving like oh can somebody throw starbucks over the fence like, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit that's harder yeah. well that and so i was going to say the, the reason why um there was it's funny because it's like you really only have two options it's like you either become friends with people because you're all suffering it's like well what else are we going to do like i did read a lot and i journaled a lot and then I just you know we watched a lot of movies you know we watched hockey and and I was like either a I try to just like connect with people in here yeah. or I just like keep to myself and continue to like suffer by myself you know and I think if you every hospital stay I've ever been in I become friends with, with all the people because yeah. <laughs> you're just like it's like uh it's like going to camp or something right like you yeah. just you have all this time so um and I, I know that that that's not an easy thing to get your head around like I've been in the hospital plenty of times where I'm like struggling so much like even talking to people is like hard yeah you know but yeah I did start to get better and so gratefully um you know, then I went to another facility where they let us go out for lunch. And then my mom like took me out on the weekend. So it got kind of similar to the place you were at. It was a little yeah. bit more like, you know, we got to play basketball every day. And like, you know, it was a little bit better than like, you know, you're locked in here and you can't leave, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was, it was, I was very blessed that I think because I was starting to get healthier. Yeah, it was safer for you to go out. Yeah, it was a not little bit mean there. that they're trying to lock you away. It's that 
you need to be so focused on one thing and they're trying to stabilize you, right? Yeah. Yes. So lots of gratitude. And I still actually talk to some of the people that were workers at one of the places. Like I love those, that. We're like Instagram friends. And um, one of the ladies, she lost a child a few years ago and I went to the funeral and I was like, I haven't seen you guys since 2013. And this was, yeah. this was like three years ago. So um it's amazing I'm like you guys are still like my friends and they're like we still talk about you know how good of a patient you were you were like one of the best at this place and I'm just like I should have you on the podcast (laughs) yeah well don't you find that I truly believe whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or where you're at I know it's really hard and it might take time but I I feel like we can't really heal without community there's different support groups, there's uh, Facebook groups or whatever. I found the most, um, you know, healing aspect to me or feeling most understood is when I hang out with other people that are struggling. Because sometimes, even though I do have friends that, you know, don't have mental illness, but there's something about coming together when you're in a healthy place, because sometimes you can make each other sick, right? But in a healthy place, I feel like I can just breathe right like I hang out with you I the podcast you know we started out like we want to help people but really it's it's helped me so much and it sounds like he really really helps you yeah yeah for sure and I always get asked that when I do I work with NAMI National Alliance of Mental Illness we have um, in our own voice and ending the silence they're basically just like educational presentations and we get to share like our personal experiences and the best part is always the question and answer right the interaction with parents or students yeah. and I've been in schools and um, uh, and it's everyone's like oh why are you you know why are you doing so great now or you know how are you not like back yeah. where you were before you know and I'm always like well it's it's more than just one thing right it's yeah. like okay it's the medicine part it's the psychiatrist part therapy I avoided for years but really you know more recently I've been like yeah I need to be doing therapy than I had before right so that's important yeah. um but then I'm like it's not just I think it's it's definitely community and it's kind of for me like it's not most of the people that I'm really close to don't have similar struggles. Okay. You know, they don't actually. It's not like they're like, oh, I understand taking medicine. Like most of them are not. I'm not saying they don't struggle with stuff. Yeah. Um, but not so for me, it's kind of both. It's like, yeah, I do want to be around people. And I think the podcast for me is like the same thing. I connect with yeah. people who struggle. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, and then, and, you know, people I do present, but it's, it's not just being around people have similar stories but it's just the power of like just having friends it's just such a a a need that we have as people it's like more than you know food and water it's like connection connection Um, and belonging right talk about that forever but that's a huge part of all of this so I totally love that you you brought that up and and so for me it's both it's like I do need to be around yeah so it's both but it's like man I just need people or else I'm going to isolate yeah and just kind of kind of make up all of these these lies about like nah people don't really care people you know and I, it's it's still kind of hard sometimes like I, I go to my church small group and you know how many times I've just been like hey guys I think I just need you guys to pray for me yeah. <laughs> like I don't even know what to do I just I'm struggling I mean I I, I have a doctor I I have these things I've built to to keep me safe and but I'm like man I just need prayer and it's like kind of hard to still do that even though um I don't regret it when I leave I go well at least I told people what was going on (laughs) and I think that's important you just touched on something I a couple of my friends um we see each other regularly but we also have a whatsapp group and I know that when I'm struggling or having a thought uh you know an unhealthy thought or even a thought that I know that's not true even just writing it in the WhatsApp group and them sending, you know, even like a heart, or we usually send like, you know, gifts or gifs. I, I'm not, I'm older, so I don't know the right way to say GIF. it. Yeah, that, he knows. Thank you. Memes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. so, but I find the power, it's so simple, but the power of saying it aloud. And you know what? 
there is stigma and there are, you know, if you're someone that doesn't have friends or a community that, you know, keep, keep trying. And I think that's where maybe starting in a group helps like online. Cause it's if like, cause if you don't have a support system, it's like, it's hard to make friends when we're older. Right. If you're not like, say, if you're someone that isn't a part of a church there, you know, um, yeah, I think just keep trying till you find a safe person. And also I find that I used to be so hesitant to give people a chance. And sometimes, you know, we don't give people the chance to show up for us. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, it, it's not to oversimplify things, but it's like, what's the first thing to do when you're struggling? And it's like, um, you know, ask for help. I mean, it kind of comes down to that because out of that is all this other all this other opportunity so it's like wow you can't you know it's like if you go to a doctor and they're like you know well tell us you know you got to fill out the forms like what's your medical history you're like oh this is annoying why do I gotta why do I gotta go back and tell you you know what disease my dad had you know and they're like well I gotta try to help you I need some information you know Mm -hmm. and it's like or you take your car to get fixed and you're like well I don't want you to look at my car I just want you to fix it yeah. <laughs> and it's well, like, you, yeah. you know, you got to open up and, and that's, what's really hard for all of us. Um, you know, I know people can live uh, di- different places, but it's like, you just, you're not in control of how people are going to respond. And yeah, you can tell the wrong person, right. You can say yeah. it to a not safe person. And, and so we, we, we want to tell the right people. Um, yeah. But like you're saying, it's like this kind of, mystery of the universe of like having faith and having courage is you got to kind of take that that um that step of it's like that indiana jones movie where he he steps like oh yeah yeah and, and the step shows up only when he like takes the risk right and like puts his foot down it's like it's exactly what it's like it's like it, the only way to go forward is is go like man, I got to humble myself and say, um, it's not, it's not an issue of intelligence. It's just like, I don't know what to do. One thing I wanted to touch on, and we, we talked about a little bit earlier, but how do you find it, um, being open as a man? Um, Mm -hmm. like, do you find, like you were saying, you find more women to go on your podcast. Like, do you find that there's more stigma maybe and that less people talk about it? What's your experience or thoughts on on men and openness about mental health and shame and all of those things? Yeah, well, first of all, yes, I have had mostly women on my podcast, but I do think there's, there is a, a lot of progress that's been made with men I actually just did a, a podcast about a month ago with a friend and we did like a a special like man men cool. night and it was really good so so I do think lots of people are are stepping up um and yeah I um I, it is harder for men I think because of just the conditioning of culture to just you know we don't talk about how we feel or yeah. um even if you feel sensitive or tender, that 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 kind of is like, nah, you know, I shouldn't like really show people that you're like, why am I writing poetry? You know, shouldn't I be out like chopping wood, you know, or like, you know, like, or <laughs> whatever, yes. whatever cliche, like, shouldn't I be out? So I mean, look, funny, right? I, I, I grew up playing ice hockey, which was a very violent sport. And, you know, I played football yeah. and lacrosse. And so, but then on, on the other hand, I'm like, I cry when I watch like romantic comedies, you know, or, or just like, you know, like are other people crying at this part of the movie, you know? And, and, and so, you can guarantee that they are, they just might not be talking about it, right? Yeah, and, and, and there's there's always a balance because it's like, look, I'm not, I, I don't go hunt and try to like kill animals and I don't even necessarily like camping even though like, uh, or whatever. But um, yeah, I think it's just, what helps me more I think is just be like I gotta just try to be myself you know yeah. and it's like and there's been lots of um I think self-hatred honestly around the sensitive thing it's yeah. like oh I don't really like that I'm like this like you know and you would think like oh don't women isn't that what women want like in a man is that is someone who's like open and vulnerable and honest 
<laughs> you're like sure maybe hopefully, they want those. hopefully we want that in well, each other. well right and not to yeah. assume that i know what what women want but i'm just saying that like in any serious relationship that you have uh with with the female there's always this like you know well tell me how you feel you know and they're like i don't know let's just go do stuff you know whatever it's like so i i think that um it's it's a challenge and it's gotten a little bit easier over time of yeah. just like oh i will i have been having this conversation for years i've been talking about this with with everyone in public yeah, settings before people church, were really talking about it at work yeah it just it comes and 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 so yeah men are we we do need to come out of hiding and like yeah. keep having these conversations for sure so hopefully that kind of answers your question i think it's just kind of yeah. similar to what we've been talking about it's like oh there's always a risk involved right of just like yeah. what if i share too much but then um also at the same time that's the kind of the the uh the thing that people then kind of um are appreciative of for you like oh wow thank you for being like a vulnerable yeah. um, male of like you know and I, I didn't have the best example of that with my dad my dad was not open about his life at all he he kind of ran away from himself you know and I'm right. like yeah I don't have kids but I'd like to have kids someday and I love being around my nephews and it's like you know I want to be a good example for them and they have a great dad too my brother-in-law is amazing you know and and I'm like I'm not my dad you know I'm not passing on what he passed on to me you know um so it's not easy like all of this stuff it's all kind of a challenge but I I don't want to go to sleep at night and go oh yeah I just you know when people ask me a question I just you know lied or I just kind of, you know, didn't open up. Like, I don't want that feeling at the end of each day of like, oh, how are all of my conversations with people? Like, how did I, was I humble about it? Was I real? And no, sometimes the, the like be yourself thing can be a little overdone. It's like, no, in certain settings, you don't need to like tell people your whole story like hey I was suicidal once you want to hear my story you know but but if it comes up and people say whatever it's like hopefully in in those moments I can be like hey I've kind of struggled with that too you know and they're like oh wow you're a stranger why are you telling me (laughs) that you know so people I think will will compliment you for being vulnerable and I think that's um what we need to do more yeah yeah and I could talk about that forever. And I just, I just want to commend you because you. you're doing good, good work in the world and your vulnerability and you being here and just the way you show up in the world, you're giving everyone permission to just show up and not ju- just be their authentic self. Right. And I just think that um, that's, that's just a really beautiful thing. And I'm really uh, glad to know you. I, um, because I've mostly interviewed women, I'm, I'm just so excited to, to know someone else that's doing the work. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for that. And before we go, I wanted to ask you a question because I know you've suffered greatly and you talk about, uh, being a suicide survivor. And I just wonder, um, you know, maybe you're having suicidal ideation as a listener, um, or maybe you're just really, really struggling. Um, I'm just wondering, what would you say to that person? That's a great question. And what's also kind of interesting is that's what I always ask people in my podcast at the end. I say that same question. I say, what, you know, what do you say? So it's, I'm like, oh, I got to answer my own question now. Uh, Well, um, nothing's permanent you know i think that um probably a couple of things um uh the first thing is that like you can't stay in the same place forever um and we are very much led by how we feel more than what we know right like we can know oh it's gonna get better but we don't feel that you know we don't feel hope someone's like oh what, what gives you hope And I think that's a part of what the question you have to ask yourself too, is like, what gives you hope in this moment? And I I know when I was suicidal, I was trying to think about my family, like more than anything. I was like, oh man, my sister has three boys now at the time she just had one. Right. And I was like, oh wow. What about like, what if my nephew like just 
grew up and all he knew was like a picture of me yeah. you know um so you have people in your life that need you and love you i mean even if it's if it's one person you know like um you would be greatly missed if Mm-hmm. you know and i know that's hard it's hard to get your head around some of that stuff because it feels like maybe you feel even more guilty that you're thinking about yourself more than you're thinking about other people and you know it's like when people say like oh a suicide is so selfish or whatever and it's like that's such a bad thing to tell oh, a person you're the self is involved and you probably are thinking about yourself too much that's probably true um which everybody is (laughs) um but yeah try to remember that like you can't be in the same place forever I mean even if you tried really hard to be like I'm gonna be stuck here forever you can't it's like you you will eventually get out out of it and um it, it it's really hard to take things moment by moment it's hard to be like yeah. I'm just trying to make it through the day like that survival mode of like it feels like everything is working against you like time is a curse you know of like just and um yeah try to um you know ask for help like yeah as just a little bit more each day like little goals for yourself like hey I'm just gonna just open up with this person and I think if you can find that connection, I, I know I had so many conversations when I was suicidal. I probably called my sister like every day yeah. <laughs> and she just took the time to talk to me, even though I was like, you know, she was a new mom at the time and she just every day. And a lot of times she said the same stuff like over and over again, like, yeah, and it, it helped a lot. Um, and yeah, I think it's kind of that like, man's search for meaning kind of thing that the book you know Viktor Frankl of like you know in horrible situations I mean people still can find they can hold on to something right like they can find something um you know we're a lot stronger than we think you know and I think people well yeah people who go through this stuff are some of the strongest out there you know, and you don't really know until it happens, right? You're like, oh, I didn't realize I was strong until I wasn't sleeping or I was whatever. And it's like, um, you will look back at this, at this, and and it, it will it will be like a, a a turning point kind of thing of like, wow, that's what I really, really started to like work on myself, <laughs> you know, or or whatever. And I, I experienced that when I was, I had five months of just being like man I better start asking for help or else I'm just gonna like keep coming back to this hospital like I'm gonna be like the people in here who are refusing to get help and they just keep coming in and out of this place you know and um so yeah that's beautiful I love how you said the moment by moment because sometimes the future like it seems so yeah far away and so hard just moment by moment and just searching, searching for the light. Like you said, hope where there's always, even if it's the tiniest thing, like the cozy blanket or, you know, you have someone to call focusing on, um, you know, focusing on gratitude. And sometimes I tell people that just say, I, you know, Shayla, I don't have any hope. I say, find someone to, to hope for you. You know, like you said, your sister said the same thing and it took a long time for you know for that to sink in and I just think um yeah just keep searching for the light and again I thank you so much we will put all Jared's info in the notes and I just hope that you follow him and encourage him and go and listen to um yeah all the things and read his poetry that's what I'm gonna do yeah all right I'll send you a link um yeah I was gonna say one quick other thing is like to just try to have compassion on yourself like that's a hard one because I know for me I've been hard on myself like yes before I had these symptoms right yeah and I'm like oh man I'm still like you know I'm kind of like I'm still like this ah you know I get just down and I'm like you know, wow, why I have such high standards of myself, you know, and some of it's from wanting to, to live with excellence or do a good job, which those aren't bad things, but, um, 
man, loving yourself is really important. So yes, try it. Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. No, I love that. That's a perfect way to end. Have yeah, compassion yeah, for yourself. For sure. And as hard as it is, you know, love yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. You're, yes. you're amazing. I love this and uh, hope we can do it again. Sometime. Yes, I love that. I love that. Well, this is Bipolar. <laughs>